Go ahead and have a seat and take your Bibles out. We're going to get ready to jump in, but I want to open where we left off last week with this verse in Job 23.10. He knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. He knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. That's what we're working on right now. Well, guess what, guys? I think you'd be proud of me. Um, I am now a maple sugar guy, a maple syrup maker. I, uh, I tried my hand at making maple syrup um, this year. In fact, you want to see my, my wood stove that I had? This is my little sugar area out in the back, back here on their property out there. That is not a still. <laughs> that, is a, that is a wood stove um, where I'm boiling off uh, maple sap to make maple syrup. Very interesting process. Um, I want to I want to show you. So I've got bottles of it right here. This is maple sap. Okay, this is pure sap coming straight out of a maple tree. This is maple syrup. Not the same. Or are they? Did you know, here's a couple of facts. Here's a couple of facts about making maple syrup. It takes 50 gallons. Are you following me? Do you know how much 50 gallons is? A lot, okay? It takes 50 gallons of maple sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. Now you know why it's so expensive at the store when you go buy pure maple syrup, okay? Because you gotta boil off so what happens is the process is you get this out of the tree. See how watery that, it's just water, that's all it is. It's just, it's just water coming out of the ground, coming up through the tree. This actually feeds and, new, and brings nutrients to the tree and goes right up to the buds and the buds pop out and they flower and this is what gives you, produces fruit. But it takes a process to get those 50 gallons boiled down. It, you have to boil off 49 gallons of water, impurities, and everything else in order to get 100% pure, grade A. <laughs> Organic, buyer's family farm syrup <laughs> is what it takes right there, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, anybody wanna try it? Keely, you wanna try it? Come here, come here. So I want you to try my syrup and tell me what you think. But first of all, though, I want you to taste this. Come around, come around here. I want you to taste this. You take this little cup, okay? So this is, have you ever drank sap out of a tree? No. You wanna try it? Sure. Okay, good. It's actually pretty good. Rowan, Rowan just, he was helping me, my grandson Rowan, he was helping me, like, Poppy, I'm thirsty. And I said, well, take a drink. He goes, I can drink that? I go, yeah. So he grabbed a five-gallon bucket and turned it up like this and just started drinking. <laughs> so go ahead, go ahead and drink that. What do you think? Water. It tastes like water? <laughs> yeah. You taste anything else in it? No. There's not any, there's not even a hint? Come on, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> see if you can feel, see the hint of sweet. If you can... Just a hint of maple in it. Okay. Can you? Just a little bit, right? <laughs> Just a little bit, right? 
So would you want that on your pancake breakfast? No. <laughs> Why not? It's not sweet enough. It's pure maple right out of a tree. Why wouldn't you drink that on your, because it's what? It's not sweet enough. Because it's what? It's not sweet enough. Not sweet enough. That's it. That's not sweet enough. Because you want to go for this. Drink the rest of that. All right, here we go. You all right? Okay. Now, this is the real stuff right here. 100% pure, grade A, organic, Byers Family Farm, maple syrup right here. Why are you shaking? Are you nervous? There's nothing in this. This is pure maple syrup. Go for that now. Come on. Dump that down. Rock it. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. All right. Thank you very much. You can go ahead and sit down. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, what did she say? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Listen, who wants sap on their pancakes, waffles, French toast, crepes? Nobody. Everybody wants 100% grade A maple syrup, right? That's what you want. But if, but if you, if, let's say that sap has a personality. How freaked out would I have been if I'm standing over my wood stove and I'm pouring the sap into the, into the trays with a raging fire underneath it to get it to a boil and I started hearing the sap scream out, no, no, don't put me under the fire. How stupid, right? Well, how stupid, right? The sap has to submit itself to the process of the fire. In fact, water boils at somewhere around 212 degrees, something like that, okay? Many of you guys know your stuff. Like just popping it right out there. And you've got to boil it and boil it and boil it. So it took me, it's about a 12-hour boiling process to get this and a lot more, Right? to this right here. But the sap has to submit itself to the flame and to the heat of the fire for a long period of time, an extended period of time before it can produce, it can become what the master has intended it to become. Are you following me? And when it gets to 219 degrees, it's syrup. And it's wonderful. And it's exactly what it's intended to be used for and, and made to do it, and that is to satisfy your taste buds and make your pancakes awesome. <laughs> Job is not talking about making maple syrup. And Job, in Job 23.10, after all of his suffering says, he knows the path. Wasn't that encouragement to you last week? He knows the path I'm on. And when I have been tested... I will come forth as what, my friends? As gold. Okay, well, that's a whole nother painful process. Do you know what temperature you have to get gold to before it is purified? 1950 degrees. So you gotta put the gold in a crucible, in a furnace, and heat that furnace up to 1950 degrees and then be before that gold will turn molten and you can actually start drawing the dirt, the dross, all of the impurities out of the gold to get 
pure gold. Listen to me. God is in the process of turning your life and turning your person into gold. Isn't it something that Job knew that? Job knew that I'm in a process and all this stuff that I'm going through right now, all this pain, all of this loss, all of this suffocating pressure that I am experiencing from all of this that I have gone through, his conclusion is, God knows the path I'm on. And when I have been tested by all of this, when I get done and he's done testing me, I will come forth as gold. Here's what I wanna say, and you're gonna hear me over and over today. God wants you to come forth as gold. That's his goal for you and for me in all the trials. We're gonna go another level with this um, in the book of James. So take your Bibles and turn to James chapter one, and James is going to take us on a journey about the why of trials. And James wrote this letter at a time when the Jerusalem church was brand new. There were brand new Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. And at that time, they were experiencing amazing persecution. Um, Persecution from the Romans and persecution from the religious Jews. The Romans hated them because they were Jews and the Jewish religious people hated them because they were followers of Jesus. They had lost their jobs. Many of them were chased from their towns and their homes, literally running for their lives, all because of this, because they testified of faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. Unless you think that's something weird out of the Bible, that's happening today all over the world. Because people, we have the freedom of standing in a baptistry tank and testifying of faith in Jesus Christ and declaring him to be the Lord of my life and I wanna follow him all the days of my life and not worry about when we walk out the door today, we're gonna be arrested for that or we're going to be, um, we're gonna lose our jobs because of that or we're gonna be run out of our homes or run out of town because we have testified of faith in Jesus Christ. This, these people in Jerusalem, these new believers, were experiencing all of that. And so as he did for them in writing this letter, he's gonna help us search out insights regarding the troubles and trials that we're experiencing in this life and the things that we are, we're experiencing in this world. He's gonna tell us what we need to remember and how we need to feel and what we need to be and what we need to do when we find ourselves in the crisis and under stressful circumstances. So let's jump right in and let's remember the goal. The goal is, because this is a continuation of last week's sermon, the goal is submitting to the process. Are you willing to submit to the process of gold refinement that God is doing in your life? That's our goal. So let's jump right in with the first thing we're gonna learn about trials is that your trials are inevitable, accept it. Your trials are inevitable, accept it. Verse two of James chapter one, go there with me. Consider it pure joys, my brother, when you face trials of many kinds. What he wants us to know is that our trials are coming and we need to accept it. Notice that he says, when and not if. You notice that? He doesn't say, consider it pure joys, my brothers, if you face trials of many kinds. It's whenever you face trials of many kinds. They're coming. Remember this statement I asked you to memorize last week? I want you to look at it again, and if you didn't write it down, write it down this week. Trials and sorrows are an inescapable part of the Christian experience. That's what James is trying to declare to us today. Kind of reminds me of the words of Jesus 
In John 16, 33, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. He's talking to his children, his followers. Reminds me of when Paul wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 12. Everyone who desires to live in Christ, well, let me ask you, how many want, you have a desire to live for God. You have a desire to live for Christ. That's what your life goal is. I wanna, come on, raise them high. Raise them high, keep them up. All you who desire to live for Christ are going to suffer. Maybe I don't wanna raise my hand. Nobody wants to suffer, but if you have a desire to serve Jesus, you are going to suffer. That's what Paul told us. Peter puts it this way, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange was happening to you. This is the normal for Christians. Trials are inevitable. Accept it, accept the fact. I'm gonna be saying over and over again today, it's all about perspective. Handling our trials and getting through and allowing God to do the process he wants to do through our trials is all about having the proper perspective and mindset about these trials, which is what we're going after today. These trials are inevitable. They're coming for all of us. You know this. Everyone here has experienced some kind of trials in their life, or you're in the middle of one right now, or there's one right around the corner. No one is immune from these trials. No one is alone. You need to hear that, my friend, because sometimes we get in the middle of our trial and we think we're all alone and nobody cares and we're all by ourselves. Listen, every child of God is suffering in this world. This is what we're seeing right here. Count of pure joy. Whenever you fall into trials of many kinds, no one is alone, no one is exempt. One pastor put it this way, trials are not an elective. It's a required course and you can't opt out and you can't test out. Everybody's got to go through the trials. But hang on, it gets better, okay? Verse two, I'm joking. Um, we're going to face trials, if you see it, of many kinds. Do you see that? There are many trials that are coming and they come in all forms, shapes, and sizes, and they're unique to you. They've got your name written on them. They're actually for you. It's hard for me to say that. That's a hard realization. But if you understand God and you know what he's up to, then you can have the proper perspective to know that my trials that are coming that these painful trials that I'm experiencing are actually custom designed for me. Under God's supernatural, omniscient wisdom. And I need to accept that. The Greek word tells us that they're coming our way in many varied, multifaceted, and multicolored trials. Doesn't that sound exciting? We got a whole magnificent, multicolored batch of trials coming your way. Does that make it easier to, 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 to swallow? A whole kaleidoscope of trouble that will vary in intensity, which is how painful, vary in frequency, which is how often, and in duration, how long will it last, is coming our way. Some of them are tough. 
but some of them are tragic. Some of them are difficult, but some of them are devastating. James didn't add this, but I will. They're, they're unpredictable. They catch us by surprise. You ever been there? It's like the trial comes at the absolute worst time possible. You're clicking along, you're doing okay in life, and then this thing happens, and it's like, why now? This is the worst, God, this is the worst possible time for this to happen. And God's up there going, oh, really? I'm sorry, I didn't know. No, he's not. He totally knows. It's kind of a humorous story that illustrates this. It's a story about a man who wasn't feeling well when he got onto the subway after lunch one afternoon. And he loaded onto the crowded subway car, so crowded that when he got on, he couldn't move. He just turned around and the doors closed. And there he was right there with the window of the, of the subway door and everything racing by him between stations, which made him even more sick to his stomach. Well, when he, the doors opened at the next station, let's just say he lost his lunch all over the guy who was standing at the landing waiting for the subcar, subway car to arrive. And that man, having received another man's lunch, turned to the man behind him and said, why me and why now? If I had just waited a couple of minutes or if I had just stood at the other station, it would have been you, not me, getting this guy's lunch all over me. Well, I just have to say to you all, what James is saying to you is if the door doesn't open on you this time, it will open on you next time. Trials are coming. Expect them, accept them. I'm glad James didn't stop there because we'd all be super depressed to walk out of here with just that message today. There's a whole lot more and things get better as we go. Because the second thing we're gonna learn is that your trials are purposeful. Embrace them. They're coming, you need to accept that, but they're coming because there is a purpose. They exist to produce something in you. They exist to add value to your life, which is, my friends, totally counterintuitive to the way that we view them. We don't see trials. Do you see trials that are coming your way as, oh good, they're gonna add value to my life? I don't think so. When they come, we actually think they're gonna come to make us miserable because that's how we feel at times whenever those come. Well, James says in verse three of James chapter one, you know that the testing of your faith develops or produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let me give you from these two verses three purposes of your trials that are coming. The first is the trials will test my faith. Trials are there to test my faith. We've talked about this before, but faith is a muscle and it has to be exercised. And the only way to see how strong, like how strong, is, how strong are you? The only way to know how strong you are is to put some weight into your hands, is to see how much you can lift, see how much you can carry. Then we'll know how strong you are. Well, the only way to see how strong your faith muscle is is to put it under stress, to put weight on it. And the more you test the muscle, the stronger that your muscle will get over time. And these trials are there to test our faith. They're there to put pressure on our faith and to, in order to strengthen us in our faith. 
So how strong is your faith? I want to ask you that question. Well, the answer is your faith is only as strong as the testing of it. Job said this, you want to come out as pure gold? So let me ask you, do you want to come out as pure gold? Then you have to submit to the testing. After I have been tested, Job said, I will come forth as pure gold. And this is telling us, James is telling us that what's going on with these trials, it's testing your faith. Don't you want to be able to, when you're in the middle of a heavy storm of your life or you're in the heavy, uh, middle of a heavy trial, don't you want to be able to put your feet down on the solid faith that has been already produced in you in the middle of that storm? Well, your trials strengthen you for that. It's all about perspective. Because when the trials hit, this perspective of understanding that it is a test for us and it's there to strengthen us is necessary to survive it or else we will just quit and do whatever it takes to get out from underneath the stress of the problem. But the question for all of us is, am I going to trust the work that God is doing in me right now, testing my faith? Here's the second purpose of our trials. Trials train me to endure. They train me to endure. Verse three again. You know that the testing of your faith produces something. The word is perseverance. But that word is also endurance. You might have in your Bible steadfastness. The testing of your faith produces endurance and perseverance. But the Greek word for perseverance actually is a word called hupomene. And it means to remain under. The testing of your faith is trying to get you to remain under the pressure of the trial. This is the development of staying power when it gets really hard and when life hits you um, the hardest. Ben Brown, you wanna come up here? I know you don't, but would you please? You've had some tough things, just stand right there. You've had some tough things happen in your life, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And those who know you, you know, know that you've been underneath that. And whenever we're under stress, whenever we're under trials, this is what you start to feel right here. You start to feel the, the pressure of that trial coming down on you. What do you want to do whenever you feel that? You like to step out of it. You want to step out, right? You ever been there? Once or twice. I was asking them, but oh, okay. thank you for it. I can't see you. Thank face, you. Sorry. Thank you for answering. The trials press down on us, and they're hard. Sometimes they're just completely suffocating. And the natural tendency is for us to get out from underneath, right? I mean, it almost seems stupid to say, stay underneath it. I mean, everything inside of us is self-protection. Everything inside of us. You know, if you feel heat coming off of a stove, we don't go touch it just to say, I'm testing myself to see how long I can touch the stove, right? No, you stay away from it. 
Our whole lives are designed around staying away from pain, staying away from pressure, staying away from trouble. But here's what God is saying. God is saying, I'm gonna send trials of many kinds. Your trials are not done yet. That's kind of depressing. But they're not done yet. There's many more coming. But they're, they're here, they exist. Not for you to run out from underneath. They exist for you. The testing of your faith is going to produce for you staying power so that you stay right here. I don't care if I'm... <laughs> however hard it is, however large the elephant is on your back, whatever that is, you are... He wants to produce in you staying power. Why? Why? Because it is that pressure that he's placing on you in order for him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through the trial. And if you get out from underneath it and you escape it, what will you feel? Oh, awesome. And God's like, well, you just forfeited what I'm trying to accomplish in you. Thank you for helping me out with that. Do you get that? Do you see that? That staying quality is completely missing in our culture today because we hate pain. We've learned to bypass and escape this part of the maturing process And we've taught people to do it with drugs and to do it with alcohol and to do it with entertainment of all forms of distractions. And as a result, people all over the world, but especially in the family of God, are stunting their growth that God wants to produce in them. It's natural to try and escape the pressure. That's what we do. I mean, when the fire gets turned up and it's hotter, what do you want to do? Get out from, uh, get the fire away from me. I don't want the fire. When I've been what seems to be hit by a Mack truck, it hurts. It's hard. Sometimes it's suffocating. I, I shared with you last week how I feel gun shy and fearful that what's the next thing that's coming? Sometimes you think that your heart's been broken into so many pieces that you'll never find them all and you'll never be whole again. You're just like, I want this over. But listen, if you give in to that and that faulty perspective on your trials and what's happening in your life, you will stifle the very thing that God wants to produce in you. You actually forfeit the benefit. Peter said it this way, humble yourself under, hupo, there it is, there's the word, under the mighty hand of God. Submit to the process, my friends, and let God do his work because he wants to produce steadfastness and endurance in you. Submit to the process. He's, he's turning up the, the heat because he knows that he has to do that in order to give you the skill to be strong in the pain and to learn to push through the wall for the prize that is on the other side which is the third purpose, and that is that trials mature my character, verse four. 
Trials mature my character. Look at verse four with me. Let perseverance then finish its work. So faith is being tested and that is trying to produce endurance and when endurance or perseverance finishes its work, you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you see it? Let the work finish. Don't get out from underneath it too soon because the finished work of the testing of our faith is that we will be mature and complete and not lacking. My friends, hear me. This is the only path to maturity. This is the only path to spiritual growth. No pain, no no gain. And again, it's all about perspective. Chuck Swindoll says it this way. Our trials don't come as our enemies. They come as our servants. They are God's messengers with a note in their hand. And when you open it, it reads something like this. This is for your endurance and ultimately for your character development to full maturity. You're welcome, God. That's what they're for. So hang in there. Because the result is a strong, mature character completely equipped to take on all that God wants to accomplish through you. Remember when I said last week that God has a plan for your life and he knows the plans that he has for your life. But he also knows that sometimes we're not ready for the plans that he has for us. So he has some plans for us to get us ready for the plans that he has for us. Those are the trials. Those are the things that he's using to test us and to strengthen us. And when we go through the process and let the process and don't bypass the process, then we will become mature and complete, lacking nothing and totally ready for the thing that God has for us, the plan that he has for us. So hang on. Even if you're hanging by, you know, that little, remember that cat? Hang in there, baby. Remember that little cat hanging on by one nail? Even if you're hanging on, just keep on hanging on. Because number three, your trials are conquerable. They will not conquer you. Matt said it earlier. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. And God will not let you fall. He will will not let you fail. If you stay up underneath it and stay with it, you will be conquerable, so face it. Face your trials. And here's three ways to conquer our troubles. The first is the hardest for me. Rejoice. Huh? Yes, rejoice. Rejoice because God is up to something in your life. Verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it, what kind of joy? Pure joy. What? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I don't think so. I don't want that. Do you want that? I don't want that. It's not like makes me happy to know that many trials are coming my way. I don't know that that doesn't make me happy. But of course, that's not what he's talking about because he's not talking about happy. He's not like, happy, 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 happy. Everybody be happy. Trials are coming your way. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about some circumstantially warm, fuzzy feelings that you might have kind of joy. The joy that he's talking about, consider it pure joy. You wanna know what it is? 
Here it is, here's the definition. A supernatural delight in the person, purposes, and people of God. What kind of delight is it? What kind of delight? Come on, say it. Supernatural delight. What does supernatural mean? It means it comes from the Lord. My joy in my trials comes from the Lord. The joy we speak of is supernaturally given to us by God himself in the middle of our trials. You and I don't have it in ourselves to find this kind of joy. It's not in there. You don't possess this somewhere deep inside without God's help. We can't produce it. And let me, are you listening? Are you hearing me right now? Nothing in this world will bring you this joy. There isn't one thing this world has to offer you that will bring you what we're talking about here. Temporary happiness, maybe. You'll never find this joy because this joy is supernatural. It comes from God himself. And when James says consider it pure joy, he means reach out to God and find his heart in the trial or the circumstance you find yourself in. And I promise you that there is something going on and unfolding through your trial that is so far above and beyond your ability to see without God's help. So put your efforts into seeking God in your pain and look for his purposes in it. And Jeremiah 29, 13 says that if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. James says, consider it. Consider it, my brothers and sisters. Examine it. Calculate it. Ask the question, what's it for? And what does God want to do in me? And what does he want to do through this trial? Don't waste your time with the, why God, why God, why God? That's not the right question to be asking in the middle of your trial. Ask the what of God. What is this? And what do you want to do with it? What is your purpose in it? Consider it, James says. We're not here for our own pleasure. We're not here for our own ego. We're not here for our own fulfillment. I'm not even here for my family, you guys, that I love dearly. I'm here for God. I'm here to fulfill God's purposes and plans as a father, as a husband, as a man of God, as a pastor in every area of my life. That's what I'm here for. And this realization is part of considering when it comes to our life circumstances to consider it joy because God is up to something spectacular in your life. Say this with me. I'm gonna have it on the screen. Say this with me out loud. Come on, let's do it together. I'm here to display the superiority of a life lived with God. There's your perspective right there on your life. Let's say it again. Come on, everybody. I'm here to display the superiority of a life lived with God. I'm gonna ask the tech people to leave that up for a bit so you can write that down. This is your purpose and mine right here. This is why we exist. Can I say it like this? This is why Christians get cancer. To display, they have an opportunity to display the superiority of a life lived with God. Whether I live or whether I die, whether I get healed from the cancer or the cancer takes me, I am here, my life is here, and in this problem, this circumstance, because I'm a believer, it's my opportunity to display the superiority of a life lived with God. It's why Christian families have prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. 
It's why Christian businessmen and Christian businesswomen lose their companies. It's why Christian parents bury their children. It's because the sons and daughters of God handle things differently or are supposed to handle things differently than the sons and daughter of this world. And the way we handle it is supernaturally. To illustrate the contrast, go, go and ask a medical team. If they see a difference between a believing family who's losing their loved one on the medical table or a non-believing family. Go ask a judge if he ever notices a difference between a believing family at the trial of their child's murder or a non-believing family. It is there in the darkness, in those dark moments when we shine the light ever more brightly of the gospel because of the way we live in perspective, proper perspective with our trials. This is where, in those kinds of circumstances where you and I display the superiority of a life lived in God. This is what we rejoice in. The opportunity to reflect his glory through the trial. And you'll never come to this conclusion that we're talking about right here, um, feeding your face with food to dull the pain. You'll never come to this conclusion filling your mind with entertainment to dull the pain. You'll never come to this conclusion filling your heart with anger or filling your body with substance to dull the pain. You can only come to this conclusion by considering that God is up to something in your life and you can rejoice in that even though it's so hard. Life is short, eternity is long, and James is saying, consider your trials joy because God is doing something in your life. Before I go any further, um, let me just say this. Trials separate the men from the boys. And what I mean by that is when the, when the going gets tough, no, when the going gets tough, real Christians stand up. When the pressure is on and when we, when we are submitted to the pressure and the pain is when you really see the genuine Christian in people. Jesus said, it's by your fruit that you will know them. And one of the fruits of a real child of God is that you won't quit when times get tough. You keep going, you stand up, you stay up underneath it, and you submit to the process. You don't look for an escape route. We endure, which brings us to the next way to conquer the trials, and I gotta go really fast to finish this, so hang on, here we go, ready? Ask for wisdom, ask for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Isn't that great news? God gives out wisdom to those who ask and he gives it generously and he won't make you feel guilty for lacking it or for needing it. Praise God for that. And when you get wisdom from God, you get the ability to view life from God's viewpoint. The practical point of this is cry out to God in the midst of your trial. In James 5.13, this is what he says. Anyone suffering? Anyone in trouble? Talk to Jesus about it. Let him pray, James says. 
Go to the Lord. Philippians 4, 6, are you anxious about your life? Pray, take it to the Lord. Bring your petition before him, and when you do, you'll receive peace that passes understanding. 1 Peter 5, 7, <coughs> cast all your anxiety on the Lord. The point, cry out to him in the midst of your trial. Bring it to Jesus, cast it to him, and in this case, in James chapter one, ask for wisdom, for he stands ready to give it to you generously. Here's another way to conquer our trials, believe and God will help you. Look at verse six. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You ever played with a, with a beach ball on a windy day on the beach? You ever done that? Kind of hard. Kind of hard to play this. Let's see how we do here. You ready? Here's the goal, 100% participation. I'm serious. You don't get to stand there, just have it like hit you. 100% participation. Don't let it hit the ground. Ready? It hit the baby. Train up that child in the way that he should go. All right, let's go. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Don't hit the ground. Does not hit the ground. Does not hit the ground. Keep it going. Keep it. Keep it going. Dive. Dive. Dive, he says. Yes, right. No, we're done. Some of us are like this. Bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around. You kind of like you really want to know why. And you go to God and say, God, why? But you don't really want to know why. In fact, some of us are kind of like, I really want to know why, but before you tell me, let me give you a list of the things that it can't be. Okay? That's what James is talking about. Believe when you ask. God is there to help you. You have to ask in faith. You have to really want to know. Some of us are like this beach ball on a windy day on the beach. Because we haven't come to the point yet of saying in total humility, God, whatever it is you want to teach me, however you want to use me, everything you want to do with me, I'm yours. Take, take me, take all of me. I'm holding nothing back. There's nothing off limits. Touch any part of my life, touch any part of my family that you want because I trust you. And I wanna learn what you have for me to learn because I don't wanna come back here again and learn this all over again.
And the last thing that James wants us to do is, is refuse to quit because God will be true to his promises. Jump to verse 12 really quick and then we're done. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. You hear that under? So you see the under? Who doesn't escape, stays with it and stays under it because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm done. Do you believe God is in control? Do you believe God is good? Are you willing to wait in faith until he reveals it all to you? Are you willing to submit, even though you don't understand it, to submit to the process? I just want you to know that he will reveal it to you. Like David wrote in Psalm 27, 13, in the midst of all his trials and struggles, he said, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I wanna go on record right now with you and make a biblical promise that if you will stay in it, if you don't go for the escape hatch, God will reveal the good that he is accomplishing in and through your trial. You will not have to wait till you get to heaven to see it. You will see it in the land of the living. I make that promise to you because God has a plan for you and they're not to harm you but to prosper you and to give you hope and a future. The saying goes like this, the nail that does not remain under the hammer will never reach its goal. The diamond that does not remain under the chisel will never be a precious stone. And the gold ore that will not submit to the flames of the furnace will never be refined. Go for the gold, brothers and sisters. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. That's his goal. That's what he wants to produce in you. You up for it? Are you in? Not, not a big exciting answer to that right there. <laughs> it's hard, you guys. It really is. <clears throat> it's hard to go through this. But thank God he's telling us about it that it just doesn't come as a big fat surprise to us. He's telling us that he's producing something wonderful, 100% grade A, pure gold. Submit to the process. Let's stand together and let me pray over you. And let me just say this um, as we close. As always, okay, you know now, by now, if you've been here at all, that we are always have our prayer team down front here and we will pray over it. You may be in a situation right now where you're just suffocating and here's what you want right now. You say, Lord, I just need wisdom. I need strength. I need help. You can come down here and pray about that. You can ask somebody to pray over it with you. We would love to be, have the privilege of doing that with you. But don't miss out on your resource of prayer. Reach out to God. Cry out to him. Give it to them. Lord, I pray that you'll help us with this because we're all in this together and the realization that these trials are coming in multiple fashion um, isn't super encouraging, but what's encouraging is to know that you're in charge of that and nothing can come our way without your permission. 
which means you're going to be there to help us through every step of the way. Help us to realize all of that. Help my brothers and sisters in everything and anything that they're struggling through or will struggle through in the next days to come until we meet together. But I pray your blessing over this whole congregation. Protect them, Lord, and keep them safe until we meet again. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Love you.